My name's Tom Jennings and this is the 24 Frames Cast. I'd like to begin by wishing you all a very happy new year. Um, I think it's fairly safe to say we are on January 6th now that um, 2021 is looking a lot like 2020 with slightly more shit I think at the moment. Um, the promise of a vaccine and the, uh, the the head of steam of joy that was building up in December I think seemed to uh, dissipate quite quickly. I was actually involved in the filming of some of the first vaccinations to take place in one of Manchester's uh, most hardest hit Covid areas and I, I, I left uh, the shoot that day feeling very positive um, about what was going to happen and I, I didn't did not see this lockdown coming it has to be said and um, here we are in January which is traditionally a, a month but that bizarrely enough I actually normally really enjoy January I know it's a month where a lot of people tend to get quite down in the dumps because the obviously Christmas is over everyone seems to be a bit skint but Manchester is actually a pretty great place to be in January because all the restaurants do like half price deals there's um, the winter ale festival uh, in, in the middle of town which I've always really enjoyed going to and this year um, obviously none of that's going to be happen here we are um, sat in my dining room which is now has been my office now for the past nine months it's where I do all my work from it's where I have all my meetings with people who I'm used to seeing in person every day and I really did feel I think um, after Monday's announcement um, that, that it was really hard to kind of keep a positive mindset I've I was supposed to go on holiday uh, in September last year on a, um, going back to America I was going to fly to Denver and do a road trip with a friend and uh, rather than get the refund on the flight I decided to instead take a vow an e-voucher so I could rebook it and I've rebooked uh, this trip for slightly longer in September again and it really has become a focus and something to really try and feel positive about coincided with the kind of a rewatch of the Ken Burns National Park series and the buying lots of travel guides about the American National Park and it's looking like it's going to be a solo trip as well at the moment which is something I've never done before and I think one of the things that all this kind of lockdown and COVID has made me do is that I, I want to experience things which I never thought I would do or try and do as much as possible which we, so I can learn new skills and kind of try and find things that I enjoy so that's something which is going and of course the other thing I really wanted to do was I looked at last year's podcast output and was pretty surprised by how bad it was really and I've decided to really kind of focus on recording and watching films and communicating my thoughts on film with people and I think one of the things that's been holding me back in the past is overthinking what I'm going to do like you know should I just release a short episode or do something a bit longer and I'm just going to try and make as much content as I possibly can and release it in a way which kind of has a more regular output and if that means shorter episodes and then so be it there's going to be some longer ones coming up I'm already planning what this year's 70 millimeter film festival is going to look like so hopefully um, we can kind of communicate slightly more I'm going to make a real concerted effort to film my time with positive pursuits that I enjoy. So without any further ado, I'm going to crack on with this week's episode. And this is a look at the new television miniseries, The Right Stuff. Americans love stories. 
This story ends with a climax in space. And it starts right here on Earth. Money, fame, immortality. People will feel like they know you. They'll want to be you. Astronauts. Astro meaning star, not Voyager. Nobody has ever seen anything like you men until now. Few things live forever in the soul of a country. You're heroes. We've got the best pilots in the United States. I know what you want, John. But it's almost like you're afraid of the competition. Protect your image. We'll have everything to lose. When I was 16, I purchased a two for 15 pound video offer in Woolworths, and my picks were Michael Cimino's The Deer Hunter and Philip Kaufman's The Right Stuff. I can't say I loved the latter all that much. It looked a bit cheap, and if I was brutally honest, I couldn't quite get on board with actually liking the characters all that much. And there was a bizarrely hyperactive voiceover at the end of the film, which kind of threw me a little bit. In fact, I still maintain it does sound slightly bizarre as if the person doing the narration suddenly was coming up on coke or something. But in retrospect, I simply was too young to grasp the gravity of the right stuff. Having watched the film many times since, it is an ode to a time that seems both mystical and exhilaratingly real. Although the events occurred in my parents' and grandparents' lifetime, they seem to have taken place on Earth a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. I was born in 1979, and man had already been to the moon. The space shuttle was a regular fixture on TV, and the sound barrier was broken daily by Concorde on its way to New York. Despite the odd probe landing, nothing has really captured the imagination in the same way the space race and subsequent moon landings have. It's why when I've watched the right stuff, I now find it impossible to resist. Sam Shepard's all-too-cool test pilot Chuck Yeager is a modern incarnation of the gunslinger, with leather coat aviators and quiet stoicism jetting off at insane speeds to simply see if it can be done. The film then introduced us to the world of the Mercury 7 astronauts, their training, their bravado, their triumphs and failures. It's stirring stuff from beginning to end. The film, however, was a box office bomb, and as much as I love it, I can almost see why. Despite being about rockets and space, low Earth orbit at that, it was made in 1983 and seemed somewhat out of place for the cinema of the time. The film does have a comedic edge to it. It parodies the space race, making comparison at times between monkeys and astronauts, and the scenes of LBJ don't quite work, and perhaps just because people at the time didn't really care all that much to spend three hours in a theatre when the likes of Star Wars and co had given birth to the modern blockbuster. 
The film was adored by critics, however. It was Roger Ebert's favourite film of the year and received numerous Oscar nominations, with Sam Shepard being nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Kaufman's film is an oddity for sure. It looks like an epic, it acts like an epic, and it sounds like an epic. But somehow it managed to be like any epic you may have seen before. It's endlessly rewatchable and fun and makes you long to see NASA do some proper cool shit again. So roll on 2020 and Disney Plus has become the latest way to extract £6 a month from my bank account. And along with it came a new reworking of Tom Wolfe's classic novel in an eight-part series. I've got nothing against remakes and reimaginations, especially when a TV show can give the long-form treatment. And the right stuff seemed a perfect fit for Disney's new platform through its National Geographic channel. Now, National Geographic is a truly great magazine. Its film and video content, though, has been largely hit or miss. For every outstanding free solo, there's a multitude of quite terribly over-edited, overly-scored fluff pieces, the likes of Super Flood or Mega Space Apocalypse or something. The right stuff, however, did seem the perfect fit for the channel, a historical docudrama about the space raid made for an exciting new streaming app. What could possibly go wrong? The first episode begins with astronauts John Glenn, played by Patrick Adams, and Alan Shepard, Jake McDorman, having breakfast. Their conversation is spiky, the rivalry between the two obvious. One of these astronauts will be the first American in space. Which one will take a few episodes to find out, and after some decent looking jet fighter action in the desert, I was more than excited by what the right had stuff to, had to offer. This, I thought, was what lockdown needed, some good old fashioned exciting space stuff. So roll on the conclusion of the series in which astronauts Gordon Cooper's wife Trudy, played by Eloisa Mumford, herself an experienced pilot, takes off in a training aeroplane with their daughter. And this image is wrought with symbolism. She is literally frying away from a toxic relationship. There is the vague hope that either she or her daughter may themselves once they be fired into space too as astronauts. It left me wondering too, what the hell had I just watched? For those like myself hoping the right stuff was going to be an all guns blazing warts and all look at America's foray into space, then prepare yourself. This is a series with its intentions very much earthbound. It's more workplace drama. Some have said it's Mad Men-esque, but trust me, it really isn't. The right stuff seems to believe that the real drama of this chapter in American history exists away from the launch pad, in the home the motels, the Starlight Motel in this case, and the offices of the central players. The series looks at this period through the veneer that was presented at the time with a very modern take. We know that in the age of social media and the speed of which news travels, it's virtually impossible for anyone in the public eye to keep an indiscretion of any sort from the public. Indeed, you had better not said or done anything in your past either, as there is always the danger that that tweet in 2013 in which you retweeted a comment by someone who in 2015 made a slightly dodgy remark about homosexuals and hey presto, you're a Nazi too. The show assumes that this level of intrusion is what we want to show in the protagonist's lives. The domestic disputes, the booze, the infidelity, the self-doubt, because ultimately this will make them, flaws and all, more human to us, more relatable. It's a way into the space characters away from the carefully stage-managed image NASA and Life magazine wanted us to see. Yet what we are left with is a relatively dull melodrama. 
Alan Shepard can't stop himself from shagging anything that walks, and he just doesn't get on with his dad and is nagged by the early symptoms of Meniere's disease. He is the maverick renegade of the piece, but doesn't seem to enjoy it all that much anyways. So really, what's the point? John Glenn is a Christian who doesn't like the philandering and drinking, yet plots with Machiavellian seal to be the first man into space. He's uptight, righteous, and frankly a bit annoying. The pair have a spiritual love child in the form of Gordon Cooper, who on the one hand, despite shagging all around all he can, can't go full shepherd, but knows because of this he will never be a John Glenn. Most of the time he wants to smack him. His relationship with wife Trudy is supposed to give this series some kind of emotional core. Because of his insecurities, Cooper is supposed to be sympathetic. And Trudy, despite knowing full well of her husband's behaviour, is a paragon of virtue for desperately keeping the family together, whilst also harbouring desires of her own to become an astronaut. The rest of the Mercury 7 astronauts are paid lip service too. Mostly they're just jocks, making crew jokes, drinking and womanising. Despite competent, if not dazzling performance. The show is so mediocre in its scripting, it never pays off in any satisfying way. In one subplot, Alan Shepard's wife, Lois, takes on an orphan niece into the family. Shepard likes the kid, and actor Jake McDormand actually appears to have some material to work with. Only it's completely pointless and an unnecessary distraction. It's nothing really to do with anything. And while this was going on, I found myself itching for the show to get a move on and fire someone into space. And just when you think something is about to happen, as in those pesky Soviets launching a, a rocket and the Americans doing likewise, the right stuff reverts to more talking, more angst-ridden scene of wall-punching, excessive drinking, marital dis- and marital disputes. Gripping it is most certainly not. In fact, I can't think of a TV series I've watched in modern times that had me less interested in about what was to come next. And for the love of God, this is a series about astronauts and space. It really should be gripping. The right stuff seems to want us to tell us the real story. And publicity for the series even used the term gritty. As I was watching it, I began to wonder what this really meant. In 2020, the television presenter Philip Schofield announced he was gay. Married with two children, he had finally come out after being unable to live the lie any longer. He was instantly labelled a hero in many quarters, as well as being brave and heroic. And although I never wished harm on the man, and indeed was largely completely uninterested in the story, I did find the outpouring of platitudes to be somewhat problematic. Was it really brave and heroic? And of course there are many guises these statements can take. Yet I found Schofield's public declaration of being gay fell somewhat short of what I consider and a great deal many others, to be either brave or heroic. And as my girlfriend pointed out, was it not the poor man's wife who really deserved the adulation? The right stuff does everything in its power to strip away the heroism of its protagonists. And yes, they are doing something brave, and damn well heroic, but it constantly wants to show you that on many levels, these men should not be admired in any way. It's not what they do in space, but how they behave on Earth that is the real them, and what we should really think about them. Heroes, it seems, in the modern age, are more often than not advocates, and represent something or a thing, rather than actually doing anything of actual note. Greta Thunberg, Caitlyn Jenner, Jeremy Corbyn, in some deluded quarters, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, Kamala Harris. Check their actual CVs and one finds a distinct lack of tangible heroic deeds. Yet adore them, we must. The right stuff doesn't give you scenes showing the test pilots hurtling towards the sound pillar. In fact, Chuck Yeager is completely omitted from the series. Perhaps they just couldn't find enough dirt about him to make him out to be a complete bastard. What we get instead 
is seeing the astronauts sat around on a beach sharing tales of how scared they once were in a kind of group therapy sessions. Its celebrated self-confessed mental health expert and author Matt Haig has been enlisted to ensure that these men are imbued with enough angst to counter any form of bravado or testosterone they may actually exhibit or possess, which for the most part never really moves away from showing them trying to cop off of anything in a skirt. I hate to invade the term, but the right stuff really does show masculinity in its most toxic form. And in a way, I think it is a product of the modern times, and herein lies one of its biggest drawbacks. 2020 was a year, for the most part, where we found ourselves not moving a great deal from our house. I went to the cinema twice in 12 months, possibly out for a meal five times, and to the pub possibly even less than that. There was a constant cycle of news showing fear and death. What we needed, especially in my case, I think, was escapism. I wanted space rockets, jets flying over the desert, people doing crazy brave shit. I wanted the right stuff, an eight-hour continuation of Philip Kaufman's film. But no, when the action does eventually get into space with Shepard's first flight, it's a fairly muted affair. The rocket goes up, Shepard can't see a great deal to a 40ND filter and splashes down, and then downplays the significance of the event to Glenn. Lip service is played to ticker tape parade, we don't get to see it, and Shepard basically goes back to marital strife. And okay, this is not the film, it's an entirely different beast. It's not celebratory, I get it. It's trying to be gritty, and unless trying times it may have even been a worthwhile watch yet when we're being forced to stay in the right stuff feels more like a continuation of the boredom that at present exists in our everyday lives in short this is anti-escapist entertainment as far as i'm concerned and i'm not entirely sure if i'm down with this at all one aspect of the show that i cannot be forward is its presentation it is at times beautiful to watch the cast looking every bit the astronauts they play and the superb period reconstruction is a joy to watch the special effects too although used sparingly are top notch especially in one sequence in which a rocket explodes in mid-air but despite its appearance it's a largely hollow affair to me. It says nothing of much of anything and leaves you with a rather downbeat feeling that as we wander into this new third lockdown, we'll do little to lift the spirit or stir the soul. A second series is planned, and if this series one is the benchmark and the way it's going to be, then I rather suspect the right stuff will struggle to make it to a third. A pity, as we know from history, Mercury was only the beginning of some truly great adventures. So that's going to be it for this episode of the 24 Frames cast. I hope you enjoyed it. I appreciate it slightly shorter than normal, but we are going to kind of crack on and do as much as I possibly can to get these episodes out. So many thanks for listening. If you completely disagree with me, then do let me know and I'll be in contact soon. Bye.